Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to have you with us. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and uh, hey, I'm a new guy. So <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Good to be with you this morning. So much stuff's going on. There's a group that is at Redemption Ranch. I'm wanting to hear organ music and lightning. <laughs> Redemption Ranch. But there are, there's a group of young adults and teenagers and uh, campus students that had a uh, campus retreat called Building Bridges. It's going on right now. Uh, so several of them are out of town. In the first service, we had three people. My very first time being back after eight months. Three people. And uh, Nessa got up and walked out, and I said, I just lost 33% of my crowd. You know, <laughs> what's going on? You know, so, uh, but it's good to be uh, back in the saddle, so to speak, with you all this morning. It, it really is. Uh, I can't say enough. I appreciate Alan and Gary, as well as Mike and uh, Nathan, filling in so much and trying to do this. I watched them uh, struggle themselves. How do you do this? This is crazy. Um, I've already got to think of the next sermon. It's called The Grind. And it is not easy. Eight months, let's see what I've done. I've fixed a lot of stuff, built a lot of stuff, watched a lot of movies, sat here and watched everybody real close. Uh, A lot of things uh, happen in eight months, but it's good. Uh, I appreciate that. I I guess I appreciate most of all your patience. Uh, This little break I was going to take was only going to be six weeks. And then it grew a little longer and then a little longer and then a little longer. And so um, it's good to be back with you this morning. Uh, we're in a uh, series called Fear and Noia, What Keeps You Up at Night. Alan picked this uh, graphic out. I thought it was a great graphic because it really is the idea of what is fear all about. Okay, Chapman University did a study on fear. If you want to look it up on your cell phone, you can. And just type in fear, Chapman University, whatever. And they revealed the top ten fears. It's interesting that this was a recent Maybe in the last three or four years they did this uh, little study on fear. Of course, we all know the number one fear is the fear of public speaking. Can you imagine that? Okay, so fear of public speaking is the number one. And also made the list were the fear of heights, which we all can identify with. Bugs made it. But for the first time, uh, a, a new fear showed up on this list, the fear of zombies. You've got to be kidding me. The fear of, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Someday I'll be going through the drive through McDonald's. And the drive-thru lady will ask, I'll say, yeah, I'd like to have a Coke with that too. Zombies, are you kidding me? Now they did a study just a year ago, and this study was about what do Americans, what are Americans are fearful of. And uh, here are some of the things on that list. Number one fear was corruption in our government. We're worried that the government doesn't tell us the truth. War, war made the list. War with Korea, Iran, you can pick a, several. Healthcare, what's going to happen to our healthcare? I think this week we found out that subsidies are going to be cut, which means Obamacare is going to really hit the tank. And people are worried about healthcare. They're worried about their healthcare. Also, what made the list, uh, what Americans worry about or are afraid of is financial security. What's going to happen to our finances? And also made that list was zombies. Oh, I'm sorry, no, zombies didn't make it. Pollution. Pollution made that. I told the first service, zombies making pollution. They were, that was awful. But, uh, no, pollution. Our air, our water, and uh, our environment. What keeps you up at night? 
What are some things that you wake up terrified of? I recently had a dream, a nightmare that um, I've never, never I haven't told anybody. I think I've told one person. I was with Brian and Carmody and Nathan for some reason. We were at this church social and a tornado came from, from somewhere and Brian and Carmody are dead and Denise is dead as well. And I wake up screaming at the top of my lungs. What keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? It was, I mean, it looked real to me. It looked so real. You know, losing a granddaughter would, would be just terrifying for me. I don't know what keeps you up. Maybe you're afraid of someone or something happening. Maybe you're afraid to die. You know, they say, what is it, 90-some percent of the things you worry about don't happen, but one of them does, death. Gary's going to be talking about that uh, in a couple of weeks. I get to thinking about this. Everybody is afraid of something. I know some of us here, we might say, I'm not afraid of anything. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We know that's not true. I watched, uh, I was looking through my phone, and there was, uh, I, I do flip, and there's pictures of people at the fun house. I don't know if anybody else caught that, of photographs when they're being scared. And these big looking truck driving guys, you know, they look as big as a house with hair sticking out in the back. And, and they're terrified and they're all going crazy because some is. Everybody's afraid of something. Everybody in the Bible was afraid of something. And you say, I don't know, there's nothing said about Joseph. I think he struggled with fear too. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that. Look at the, look what the Bible says here uh, in the Old Testament to a fellow by the name of Joshua who had seen this, the Red Sea part, had seen incredible miracles, incredible things take place to Israel. And he's told this by God. God says, I've commanded you to be strong and brave. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. He says, don't you ever be afraid, Joshua. Don't be discouraged. I command that out of you. I command you to be brave. And not only did God give this command to people like Joshua, but there's other folks He gave it to in the Old Testament. He gave it to Abraham, who's the father of faith. He's in Hebrews 11. He's one of the big guns in the Bible. And he's told not to be afraid. He's commanded to not be afraid. His son Isaac, his grandson Jacob, Hagar, Rachel, Gideon, Elijah, Moses, David, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Are you keeping up? Good. They're all, they're all told, they're commanded not to be afraid. Why? Because they were afraid. Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, this uh, year I've been... Uh, in the back of my mind working on a sermon series that I come up with after the Christmas service I was talking to to, uh, to someone about writing a song called the Songs of Christmas and, and that's going to one of them is the song of Mary and she's told by God fear not do not be afraid even Peter and the twelve disciples are told over and over again do not be afraid the Apostle Paul as bold and as confident and as faithful as he is is told, do not be afraid. I've got plans for you. See, all these guys faced moments of anxiety and fear. And all of them were commanded by God not to be afraid. And if you're facing some kind of fear or you've got some fear of a person or a situation or something in the future, I want you to know God commands you and I to not be afraid. It's that important. So it's really not a question, see, of whether or not you're afraid or not. It's what you're going to do with that fear. That's what I want us to see. That's what this series, series is about. It's, uh, Gary's done a great job of setting this up. There's our fear versus our faith. 
they don't exist together. Like light and darkness. Like happy and sad. You just can't have them together. And so you don't find fear and happiness together. You don't find fear and confidence together. And so what do I do when I'm frightened? That's the big question. Let me give you three, I think, three options we have when we face fear. first one is, I can choose to live with my fear. I guess I'm just going to be afraid. I'm going to be a scaredy cat the rest of my life. And so I'm going to spend the rest of my life looking over my shoulder, wondering what's going to happen. The problem with that is it makes you miserable because fear causes things like doubt, worry. It causes you to be critical. Like an animal that's backed into a corner, it'll cause you to be angry. Fear will do all kinds of things like that. No one has ever said, my phobias put such a spring in my step. No one's ever said that. No one has ever said, thank God for my pessimism. I'm a better person since I lost hope. Nobody's ever said that. You see, living with fear is a miserable life. That's the first option. I can live with it, I guess. I can choose to live with it. The second one is I can run from my fear. This is a popular one for me. I try to avoid it. I try to hide from it. The problem with that is nothing ever changes. Listen to me. Fear has never cured a disease. It has never saved a marriage, pulled a family out of poverty, or a country out of bigotry. It's never created peace between enemies or made things right. Never built a successful business. Courage does that. Courage does that. And courage is connected to faith, not to fear. So I can run from my fear. You run from somebody? You run from some challenge? Something that's happening? Oh, I don't even want to be in the same room. I don't know what I'll do. There's a third option. And that is, I can face my fear. Instead of choosing to live with it or running from it, I can face my fear. In other words, I choose to get serious with my fear. I choose, I, I just draw a line in the sand. No more running. No more hiding. I'm no longer going to let fear push me around. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about when faith and fear collide in a boat. When fear is in the boat. What happens? Now, this passage is a very familiar passage to all of us. It's a passage written by a guy who wasn't a guy familiar with boats. He was a land guy. He was on land all the time. He was a tax collector by the name of Matthew. And in Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27, we're going to read this together. It says here, And when he got into the boat, this is after Jesus had preached a while. He preached a while. It says, When he got in the boat, he preached from that boat, by the way. He gets in the boat. His disciples followed him. I want you to underline that part. He got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. By the way, look what else it says. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. Reading this week a little bit about this passage, just about across the board, all commentators and all folks who are covering this passage said that this is not just a passage that covers Jesus 
stopping a storm in its tracks. There's a greater message in this passage. There's something else going on. In fact, there's another storm that's happening that Jesus is trying to calm. And it's the storm of fear. So I got to thinking about this. If it's faith versus fear, Gary, I got to thinking, okay, what are some beliefs I need to have? What four beliefs could I have? There's probably others, but I found these to be very helpful for me. So I wanted to pass them on to you. Four beliefs that help me overcome my fears. The first one is, I need to believe following Jesus will not make me immune to storms. I know you. Some we've been saying that here lately. And it's not something we like to hear. I have people ask me all the time, why do bad things happen to good people? And I try to answer that question, and they're never satisfied. I mean, really, are you satisfied? I'm never satisfied with the answers I give. And, and yet, I, I know in the back of my mind, following Jesus does not make me immune to storms. Look what it says here. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. That's what I want you to underline. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And a rainbow appeared out of nowhere. And all was beautiful. That's what I expect. Isn't that what you expect? If I'm following Jesus, rainbows, sunbeams, chocolate. No, it's not a rainbow. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're right. That's right. I think in Greek it says it like this. And when Jesus went in the boat, the disciples followed Him. And Peter released white doves and they began to fly in the formation of a beautiful heart that hovered over the boat. Yeah, that's what I expect. If I was honest, that's what I expect. I expect if I follow Jesus like uh, Napoleon Dynamite, He will make all your dreams come true. You know, it'll just everything will work out. You'll be successful. Everything will be great. But that's not what it says, does it? No, it says a windstorm. Some, I think Mark or Luke says, suddenly a storm come out of nowhere, which was common on the Sea of Galilee. It was common. They'd show up in minutes and just blow everywhere, sinking everything in sight. It says a windstorm arose on the sea so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Now what I notice is this. Jesus had been preaching in this boat, from this boat earlier, according to Mark 4. He says, I'm going in this boat. Now there's lots of boats to choose. But I want you to notice, when He gets into His boat, His followers follow Him into that boat. And it never sinks. Amen, walls! It never sinks. And just because 50-some people are gone at Camp Redemption doesn't mean you can't participate, okay? Think about that. Think about that for a minute. They follow Him, and what they, they, they're in a storm, but Jesus is there with them the entire time. Now this word uh, windstorm, um, I was reading a little bit about it. It's the word, the Greek word behind it is seismos or seismos. We get uh, that sounds like uh, seismograph, seismologists. What's, the, what's that all about? What do they do? Earthquakes, right? Yeah, it's so associated with earthquakes. You got this little thing that measures the earthquakes, or you got people that study earthquakes. It's used by Matthew two other times in the Gospel of Matthew. Just two other times. Let's think, can we remember when the earth shook? He uses it when he talks about the cross. Right? At the cross, the, the earth shook. 
And he uses it again at the tomb. And the graves shook. Seismos. And people come out of the graves. So what an interesting thought here. Here's how serious God is about my fear. See, I put fear up there with, you know, uh, overeating maybe or... Um, you know, being lazy, you know, kind of, you know, these minor things, you know, a big deal, you know, uh, exaggerating, you know, the fear's in there too. But Jesus deals with sin so strongly it shakes the earth. He deals on the cross. He deals with death so strongly it shakes the graves. And He deals with fear so strongly it shakes the sea. That's how serious He is about storms how serious He is about dealing with fear in our life. You see, I've, I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this, folks. Christians right now are burying their dead, getting sick, getting fired. They've lost their jobs. Christians all over the world, somewhere a Christian right now is facing financial pressure, dealing, facing a stronghold of some sort, some kind of addiction or stronghold. And like James says, Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Christians are going to face some of that trouble. We're not insulated from it. And God wants us to face that and understand that. So the first thing in overcoming my fear, I'm noticing in this passage, it has something to do with, I need to believe, I just need to believe this and accept it finally, that following Jesus doesn't immune me from storms. In fact, if I follow Jesus, I might run into a storm or two. I've, I asked this question uh, this week myself. I go, um, did Jesus know there was a storm coming? I say, yeah. I, I, Lisa goes, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I believe He knew that. Ahead of time? Yeah. Where did the storm come from? Did God cause it? Hmm. Did it come because it's a Sea of Galilee and that just happens, it's the way it is? Or was some evil behind that? I don't believe God, my opinion, I don't believe God caused this storm. And though it was often that these storms would come, either Jesus has a great sense of timing, and it's everyday storms that we're facing, it's possible, or Satan's behind this. I mean, think about it. If you're the devil and you're going, how can I knock out Jesus and his twelve? I know how to do this. I've got a great chance right now. And people will explain it away as some natural phenomenon. This will work. I just know that I know this. I'm not sure what the source of this of this storm is, but I can tell you this that I do realize: Jesus attracted trouble. So if I'm following Jesus into His boat, I'm going to experience some of His trouble with the dark forces of this world. You with me on this? You see that? I mean, I, went, I remember the first time I went to Six Flags. I was a very young fellow. I, I'm, so, I'm so old now, I don't remember when it was, but I was a young fellow. I remember I had cool clothes on. And I had a camera, you know, a neat camera, video camera and all this stuff, you know. And, I'm, and we're walking up to the log flume. Remember the log flume? And it says, you are going to get wet. I go, yeah, I don't think so. I'm watching people come off the log flume and they're soaked. Another sign. You are, and then this is R, italicized, underlined, capital letters, going to get wet. I don't know. Denise goes, you think we're going to get wet? I don't think so. 
it looks like that sign says it, and look at those people. Well, they didn't know what they were doing on the log plume. And I had no idea either. And I get on the log plume, and you know, and look at this, Denise, a little splatter here. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> bank, 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 bank. You know, and then dinkity, dinkity, dinkity. Where are we going? I don't know. Dinkity, 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 dinkity. And then, oh no, I'm going to get wet. And the water just hits everywhere. And I'm trying to hide, and the picture's not flattering. My camera's soaked. My cool clothes are soaked. My billfold's soaked. Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I just expect it? Jesus has on His boat, these disciples are walking in. What's that say? You are going to get wet. And as believers, you follow Me, Jesus says, you're going to get wet. There's going to be some storms. So I should just expect it. I shouldn't be surprised by it. Look what Jesus says here. I told you these things so that you can have peace in Me. What did He tell them? You're going to leave me. You're going to get scared and run off. That's going to give me peace of mind. Yeah, it's natural. It's going to get really crazy when you follow me. And some of this stuff's going to frighten you to death. But it, and he says, in this world you will have trouble, but be brave. I have defeated the world. So that's the first thing I need to believe. I just To face my fear with faith, the first thing I need to accept, finally accept and believe, is that following Jesus will not make me immune to storms. Here's the second thing I noticed. And that's believing that God cares more about the storm in me than the storm I'm in. That it's really about the storm in me than the storm I'm in. You know, Mark adds some very interesting thoughts here in his account of what happened on that boat. But soon a terrible storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water and about to sink. Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they wakened him, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're all going to drown? See, there's another terrible storm going on, and it's in the hearts of followers. It's going on inside. They see Jesus sleeping. I read this this week. While it's roaring, Jesus is snoring. <laughs> While they're screaming, Jesus is dreaming. And they're like, what are you doing? Sleep at the wheel. Wake up. We're crying out loud. We're all going to die. Don't you care? And there it is. There it is right there. Don't you care? Not can you take care of the storm or do you know you're in a storm? You've got all knowledge. You've got all power. Don't you care? See, that's, that's very common when we begin to be afraid when it comes to facing things with God, we start to question His goodness, His character. Do you really care about me? Why would you put this in me? Put this on me? Put this around me? Why is this happening to me? And so they run to Him and they, and they say, shake Him! And they say, stop the storm! And I can just see Jesus. He's asleep. At the stern, there's a platform where a guy stands and he steers the boat. And underneath, there's this little compartment area and he's asleep like this. And they're waking up. Don't you care about us? Stop the storm! And he's like, hey, I need to see his eyes kind of open. Okay, I'll stop the storm. Why are you afraid? No, no, I'm talking about the winds. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking about that storm. Why are you afraid? He's just still laying there. I get this picture of him still laying on the pillow. Why are you afraid? 
Well, you have so little faith. And I get to thinking about little. How, how little is their faith? Because if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can make mountains move. They had less than that. And it dawned on me it, that word little can mean next to nothing. Because they have doubts, faith is gone. They really don't have faith. All I have is fear. Why are you afraid, he says, you have little faith? See, Jesus deals with their storm before he deals with the storm. Listen to me. This is what wakens Jesus. Not the thunder and lightning and the wind, but the heart that's full of fear. That gets him, gets his attention. You understand? He wants to do something about fear in us. Hearing you. Hearing me. Luke 24, after the resurrection. In Luke 24, I believe this is, I don't know if I've got this on your notes, it's, but it says here, after he is resurrected, he appears to the disciples and says, Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? See, when you're full of doubt, there's no room for faith. It's a good question, isn't it? They're asking, why is this happening? Why, why, why don't you do something? And he's saying, i got a better question. Why are you afraid? It's a very challenging question. And it's the question you and I face this morning. Why am I afraid? I've asked that question more in the last eight months. Why am I afraid of this? Why am I afraid of that person? Why am I afraid of this happening? It's a good, healthy question to ask. You see, if you want to overcome your fear... The journey starts by dealing with what's preventing you from trusting the Lord. What is it that's keeping me from trusting God? See, the storms you, that you'll face, the, these storms that you and I face are not about learning how to live safely. They're really about learning how to live with faith. Learning how to trust the Lord over and over again. And I want you to know this morning, I believe Jesus doesn't want you or I afraid any more than we want to be afraid of anything. You, never, you ever get tired of being afraid? Man, I'm tired of being a scaredy cat over here. Why am I so afraid of this? I'm not talking about some circus ride or some carnival ride or something. You know, I'm just afraid of this person or afraid of, of this happening. I'm tired of living in this fear. You know, God doesn't want you in that either. He wants you to have peace and confidence. Look what he says here in John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. He says here, the peace of mind and heart that I want to give you doesn't break at the first sign of trouble like the world does. See, when I get afraid, I, when, I, when I get started, if I'm afraid of my finance, what's going to happen financially, so what do I do? I've got to find a way to make more money. And the problem with that, with that is you can make more money and it may be gone like that. You can't trust it. Watch the stock market here lately. It's going up and down again. I'll, I'll surround myself with people. I'll get a lot of support group. And that is good. I'll admit that. But people, don't they fail you and I? I'll get myself around a lot of things and, I, and, and I'll get around myself. Maybe I'll get a position or get some kind of title, and then I'll feel secure. And the problem with that is those, those fade. 
we're putting broken things around us and thinking that's going to give us stability. They're fragile. And so as soon as there's a first ripple in the water, the boat rocks just a little bit, they snap. Now the only thing, only person that can give you and I really peace of mind is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. And I want you to see here this morning in this passage, Jesus is focused on that in His disciples and He wants you to be just as focused. Number three, what else a third belief? Well, I need to believe this, that no matter what happens, God will be with me. No matter what happens to me, God will be with me. And when He got in the boat, His disciples followed Him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But, Circle that. But, there he talks about butology. There it is. But, he was asleep. As I was preparing for this sermon, the first thing caught my eye was a sermon by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a minister in Germany during the time of World War II. Some of you probably know that he was hung. Uh, he was hung uh, by, the, by the Nazis because he, they believed he was part of an assassination plot against Adolf Hitler. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as Hitler was about to take control of Germany, he's preaching to his church. And it was in a, it was a sermon called Overcoming Fear. And I want to read a little excerpt uh, from it. And here's, here's what it says. Let's say there is a ship on the high seas having a fierce struggle with the waves. The storm wind is blowing harder by the minute. The boat is small, tossed about like a toy. The sky is dark. The sailor's strength is failing. And one of them is gripped by something. Someone. What is it? He cannot tell. But someone is there in the boat who wasn't there before. Someone comes close to him and lays cold hands on his arms as he pulls wildly on his oar. He feels his muscles freeze feels the strength go out of them. Suddenly he can no longer see or hear anything. He can no longer row. A wave overwhelms him. And in final desperation he shrieks, Stranger in the boat! Who are you? And the other answers, I am fear. Now the cry goes out to the whole crew, Fear is in the boat! Fear is in the boat! All the arms are frozen and drop their oars. All hope is lost. And why? Because fear is in the boat. Then it is as if the heavens opened. As if the heavenly host themselves raised shout of victory in the midst of hopelessness. Christ is in the boat! Christ is in the boat! Goes the shouts. And no sooner has the call gone out and been heard than fear shrinks back and the waves subside. The sea becomes calm and the boat rests on its quiet surface. And why? Because Christ is in the boat. Christ is in the boat. I don't know about you, but when you start getting scared, you need to remember that. When fear says, I'm in the boat, you need to look at Him right in the eyes and say, Christ is in the boat. Christ is in the boat. You see, it's not the absence of storms that set us apart as believers. It's the presence of God. He's in our life. Now, by the way, if Christ is not in your life, you're in trouble. Well, I'm not really sure. You're in trouble. 
you better make sure you're in His boat and you haven't picked one out yourself. Because all the boats, kind of like a Forrest Gump, when that storm hit, only one stripping boat survived. Remember that? One Jenny. The only boat that survives this storm is the one Christ is in. The one Jesus is in. And I want to say again, when you sense it, you need to remember, Christ is in the boat. Some of you here, somebody needs to hear that this morning. I don't know who you are, but I don't know what it is. You're going through something, you're saying, I need to hear that. Jesus is in the boat. He's sleeping, Tim. <laughs> I'll take a sleeping, relaxed Savior over an intense, crazy sailor any day. Huh? He's relaxed and you should relax. Matthew 8, look what it says here. It says, And they went and woke Him up saying, Lord, save us! And I thought to myself, this is what wakes Jesus up. When we just admit we're afraid and say, Lord, help me here. I'm scared to death of what I'm facing. That wakes Him up more than thunder. That wakes Him up more than the wind. That gets His attention because it's got yours. It says, Then He got up and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a dead calm. They say sometimes the, the Sea of Galilee looks just like a sea of glass. It can be so calm. That's what I picture. That this storm finally subsides when it starts subsiding inside the heart. You know, later, Matthew would, would um, record another storm. You remember the disciples are straining at the oars. They can't get anywhere. And Jesus is on the shore watching this and He starts walking on the water and someone says, it's a ghost! Perfect for October. It's a ghost! <laughs> it's a ghost! And He starts straight more and more. And they, he see, he, he, Jesus can see the panic in their eyes and, and look what He says here. It's alright, I'm, I'm here. Don't be afraid. He's saying, look, I'm here. You've got nothing to worry about. And I want to tell you this morning that whenever Jesus is, is in your storm, it's going to get calm. Ooh. Last eight months. Boat kind of rocked on me several times, folks. I thought about just leaving. Thought I had enough. You ever felt like leaving? Tell the truth. Yeah. Ah, oh, this is stupid. This is crazy. Busted my butt and for what? What's this all about? Begin to doubt. What are we doing here? What are we trying to do here? Watching other people rise up and take responsibility. See, they don't need this. They don't need me. Doubts. Doubts. And Christ is saying, I'm in the boat. Tim, for crying out loud, I'm in the boat. What are you worried about? And when I worry tomorrow, guess what? I'm going to have to remember He's in the boat. I don't care. Listen to me. I don't know what's happening to some of you. Okay, but I know we're all we're either going into storms or coming out of storms or we're in one. That's what I know. And Christ is in the boat the entire time. That boat will not sink. If you're thinking about bailing, think again. Because no matter what happens, God is with you. You'll be fine. So I need to believe, first of all, again, let's review here. I need to accept and believe that following Christ, following Jesus doesn't make me immune to storms. 
I need to re- I need to remember I need to remember that there's a storm that is on the mind of God. It's not that storm that's happening that I'm in, but the storm that's happening inside me. He wants to shake. He'll shake the world to help me with that. And whatever happens to me, I can be reassured that the Lord is with me. And I'll get through it. Wherever Jesus is, storms will calm down. What's the fourth thing? Well, the fourth thing I want to encourage you to believe from this passage is this. When fear comes, believe that you need to get your focus back on Christ. One of the things that was... Guys, when when I took this long rest, I thought to myself, what am I going to do? I had someone give me some valuable advice. said, Tim, make sure you stay in the book and stay on your knees. You're going to get through any of this. Stay in the book and stay on your knees. And I noticed the disciples, they're told, they're said, hey, where's, why are you afraid? You have little faith. And after it's all over, look what the Bible says. You see these guys working on this. They realize, you know, I need to work on my faith. They were amazed, it says, at the, the oceans, at the seas calm, saying, what sort of man is this? Who is this guy? They're not thinking about the storm. Oh, they, as the afterthought, the waves and the seas obey him. But who is this guy? They got their focus right where it should be. Back on Jesus. They begin to work on their faith. It says they're amazed. I want to be amazed with God. I want Greater Alton to be amazed with God. You know, we live in a world right now, man, you, you know, they say that, you know, uh, I've read this this week, something about those who spend too much time on their cell phones set themselves up for discouragement and depression. And I can see why. I read, the new, I read two different news feeds. It's very discouraging. Our world, our, our society is critical of, of its leaders and critical of God. Where was God when, with Puerto Rico? Where was God with Houston? Where was God with Florida? Still ask, they're still asking those questions. They're difficult questions, but they ask, and what do they follow with? He wasn't there. They're critical of God. No amazement of God. Oh, I want to be amazed. God is still amazing. Christ is still amazing. All I got to do, how do I know that? All I got to do is just look back at what He has done in my life. And it's truly amazing. Where I've come from, where He's brought me, the church I have, the family I have, the blessings I have. I have more money than I've ever had in my life. More money than I've ever had in my life. Was that happened to everybody? I'm just, I'm just telling you, when, when I look ahead and I start worrying about financial security, what is that? Where do I get off thinking like that when God has took care of me? The Bible says that those who seek the Lord never grow hungry. That you seek God's first, He takes care of your needs. He has done that. How can I turn and look at my future and go, I wonder what's going to happen when I've got all of this history? You with me, church? You understand what I'm saying? I've got to get my focus back 
I'm amazed at what God does. As it should be. And God wants you amazed too. I still think about what Steph once said. If we only knew what God protected us from. All the things He's protected us from. I'll never forget that. We would, we would be in awe. Look what the Bible says here in Hebrews 12. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. And then he says this. I love this translation because I can do this. Think about Jesus. I can do that. Focus on Him, Tim. Think about Him. What do you want me to think? Well, think about what He says. Think about what He's done. Think about what He's doing. Think about what He promises. But think about this. Think about Jesus who endured opposition from sinners, who endured through those storms, so that you don't become tired and give up. So you don't get weary, lose hope, start to fret, start to worry, and quit. I want to say to you this morning as we close, are you in a storm? Are you in something? I want you to know, you may not like this. I know the disciples didn't. But it's a teaching moment for you. It's an opportunity for a breakthrough right now in your life. It's a moment where God's wanting to confront your fear. If you do not deal with it now, the next storm will come and the same thing will occur. He wants to confront your fear. He wants you to face it. Don't run from it. Quit running from it. Quit hiding. Don't accept it and say, well, that's just the way it is. No, you say, no, I'm going to start believing the way it could be. I could live with courage when I live by faith. Right now, if you're in a storm, let me encourage you to look and listen to Jesus. Let me close with these verses. You know, God just gives me verses. I start looking and then they show up, okay? Here's some verses that I want to encourage you with that are up on the screen. Jesus said this, Don't be afraid. You're worth much more than many sparrows. Maybe somebody says you're worthless. Maybe somebody said you don't mount to much. Maybe you begin to believe that lie. Jesus says you're worth more than many sparrows. Oh boy, I'm worth more than a bunch of sparrows, a bunch of spatsies. No, you understand. God knows when one falls to the ground. He's interested when one falls to the ground. He says you're worth more than that. So don't be afraid. He says here, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough. Why? Because God will provide. Don't be afraid. Look here. Just believe. Replace your fear with faith. He says in Luke 8. Luke 12. Don't be seized with alarm or struck with fear, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, the unshakable kingdom of God He wants you to have, ruled by a fair and just King who loves you deeply. In John 14, He says, don't be troubled. You trust in God, now trust in Me. He says, it's time to trust Me. I will come and get you so that you will always be with Me where I am. And folks, wherever Jesus is, the storms grow calm. You have a card that's in your bulletin. And I just want you to think about, some of you here, I don't know, again, I don't know where anybody is. 
I don't have that ability to know. But I know somebody here, you're wondering if you're even right with God. Why don't you check you want a personal Bible study? Well, I've done it. Well, check it again. Why don't you, maybe you say, I've, you know what, I know what I need to do. I need to be baptized. Why don't you check that? Or maybe you're a disciple who just keeps running into this fear issue. Well, why not? Hey, you know what? I need to learn more about this. I, I, I want to make a decision today and write out a prayer, write out a prayer request and let our prayer team of people pray for you. That's still going on. That's so cool. We have people devoted just to praying for you. They don't hold their hands over the cards and go, Lord, whatever's on here. No, they go through them and actually bring your request before the throne of God. Maybe you just need to make a decision. I need to stop doubting and start believing. I need to start replacing my fear with faith. I need to get in my Bible, back on my Bible and back on my knees. Whatever it be, make a choice today. You do not have to live with your fear anymore. I don't have to live with my... I have to say this to myself. I don't have to live with my fear anymore. God's wanting me out of my fear and out of your fear just as much as we want out of it. And let's pursue faith and become bold and courageous. Nothing good ever happens. Nothing great ever happens with fearful people, folks. That tragic things happen. So why don't we just become people? Let's, let's decide this morning we're going to be full of faith. We're going to fill ourselves with more faith, more trust in God, and watch what God can do through us. We're going to give you a chance to, uh, after I pray here, fill out that card, and then uh, when, we're, when we're through with this song, we'll sing a song during after my prayer. And then we'll sing another song, collect up those cards, and send you on your way. May God bless you uh, as He helps you deal and overcome your fear. Let's pray. Father, we praise You. Thank You, Father, for passages like this, Father. I know that it's more, it's, there's so much more here than You just calming a storm. And Father, we'd love for You to change our circumstances like this and calm the storm. And we know, Father, as I read this passage, I, look at, I read over it and pray over it, that you're interested in changing us first before you'll ever change the circumstance. So, Father, we pray you change us inside, inside out. Father, there's somebody we're afraid of. There's something we're afraid of. Something that just worries us. And we come Sunday after Sunday looking for you know, answers, how to deal with our fear. Father, I pray today that we'll hear loud and clear in Your Holy Spirit that we just need to trust You. We need to believe in You and trust You deeper. Trust in You again. Father, help us anticipate when the storms come. Anticipate them with some sort of joy and contentment knowing they have a purpose. Father, thank You for being with us no matter being with me and being with each of us no matter what happens. We thank You for being with us. You make That makes all the difference. And Father, we pray that You'll give us a renewed sense of focus and focus deeply upon, upon what Your Son says and what He's done for us. And let it shake the things around us so much that fear will leave the boat. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.